right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn and Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Happy Friday. Another edition of RCST. Derek Johnson, along with me, is a man known by the name Nick Springer. How's it going, man? Pretty good. I just uh, I just sneezed right before we came on the air, oh. and it, it felt it was a good sneeze. Good sneeze. There's there good sneeze sneezes and like, bad sneezes. You just oh, easily, definitely. Okay. You sneeze. Is and a you bad actually sneeze feel like, like when you get just mucus everywhere? It's on your hands. I would say a bad sneeze is that, or a bad sneeze is where you sneeze and then you keep sneezing. Okay. Because you didn't get all the sneeze out. <laughs> That's the problem there. I don't know the science of sneezing, to yeah. be honest, but I don't know. Well, it's going to be a fun one today on your Friday on RCST. We're going to talk with Chris Murray as we continue on with our series of previewing the upcoming KU football opponents. We're on week three, which is the Nevada game. So we'll get more info on Nevada and round out the non-conference part of the schedule. Uh, we've got another 2024 commit who's going to be joining us on the show, Harrison Utley. A uh, offensive lineman commit for 2024 will join us at about 4.30 today. KU Football Friday. We're going to be talking plenty KU Football today. we got sports stock market coming up. We've got another game, Tour de France character or Tour de France athlete or. We'll get to the or later on in the show. And this is something I'm really excited I'm for. I'm also very excited for. We are going to be doing a football draft of mythical creatures. Oh, that's going to be a fun one coming up later in the show. <laughs> All right, right off the top, though, we are officially... This is good news. Nine weeks away That's from bad. the first KU football game. That's KU Missouri news. State. Why is that bad news? Because it's we gotta wait nine more weeks. I told you this yesterday that tomorrow would be nine weeks out and you were so excited. Well, that's because that's because yesterday I thought it was like twenty weeks. Okay. But then you told me it's nine weeks and I had the time to process it, and at the time I was happy because it was less than what I thought. <laughs> but now I still gotta wait nine more mm. weeks. So it's actually not good. It's bad. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that'll be here before no time. No, it will be. It yeah, will. Um, so cool. we're going to start doing our series but, where... Well, hang on. Yeah. You know, what's not talked about enough, though, is it could have been yesterday. It could have been, That yes. nine weeks. But instead... We could be under nine weeks yes. right now. Which is a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. Eight plus weeks, right? It sounds way better than nine weeks. <laughs> I could not agree more. Okay. Uh, so we're nine weeks out, so we're going to do our series. This is almost like a Sesame Street series. Like, the letter A stands for Apple. The number nine represents this. That's what we're going to be doing today. Um, okay. But I think it's interesting. So nine <laughs> represents the number of yards per pass the KU averaged. To be exact, they averaged 8.9, but we're going to round up to nine. Yeah, the KU averaged last yeah, year. Nine's way better than 8.9. Yes. And that led the Big 12. TCU was second, 8.6 yards per pass. Oklahoma was third at 8.1 yards per pass. Can that continue is the first part of this for Kansas. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, last year it felt like uh Lawrence Arnold made a big impact. It felt like uh Quentin Skinner was able to take top off defenses in some certain games. That I think should be able to continue. I would Feels say. like KU won a lot of contested catches too, which that yeah, doesn't yeah. continue, does it? And not? you know, we talked about it a little bit over the course of this week really the idea that the wide receiver room had 
little to zero expectations last season. Mm-hmm. This season, there's going to be a lot more expectations. And with that comes that they're going to need to continue to step up the way they did last year. You know, part of what part of the reason why we look back on last year and say, oh, the wide receiver group was very successful was because we had set the bar so low for them in the preseason, basically. But now that's going to be higher this season. So I think it's still possible. I think it's clear that Jalen Daniels has the accuracy and the arm strength to utilize the deep ball when necessary, when it's dialed up. And I think Andy Kolnick is an an aggressive enough offensive coordinator that you're going to see KU try to push the ball downfield more often than not. And remember, that's and the other thing about this was this was maybe a criticism of Jason, of Jason Bean at one point last season was Jason Bean was the type of court is the type of quarterback that wants to throw the ball downfield, and sometimes he would get criticized for holding the ball too long and causing problems. So if if for whatever reason you know Jalen Daniels, hopefully not, but if for whatever reason he does get injured again or something. That's kind of, I don't know if a strength is the right word, but that's Jason Bean's forte is he wants to throw it more downfield, right? So I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm, but I'm just saying like hypothetically mm-hmm. you have another quarterback that is a guy who is comfortable pushing the ball more downfield. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know if it, that, that is a very high number, but I think it can be around there. I mean, can you be the best in the Big 12? Of course you can. And, and part of this is because... KU is not going to be a team that's throwing 75% of the time. It's going to be more of a 50-50 split. When they do throw it, you're going to have times where you bust a coverage because some of the creativity of Andy Kotelnicki. So I I think it's very I mean, the play action could be very effective for KU because of the fact that you anticipate their ground game is going to be pretty solid and teams are going to have to respect it. And it would be beneficial if it does continue because part of being a great offense, you have to be able to be explosive at times, yeah. and that's part of that. Yeah. Um, I guess the big question to me there is, can can a receiver emerge as being a big play? Can't like Quentin Skinner was that? Can he? But it was pretty hit or miss. It was. Can can that grow even more? Can Quentin Skinner give? And more? honestly, Lawrence Arnold was. Yeah, had some pretty impressive sure. downfield plays. As even well. Luke Grimm downfield. Do you remember that play against Oklahoma where he ran a post route and like? Juggle it and caught it. Yeah, over like two guys. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. All those guys showed that off. But can you get a little bit more? Can you even get the guy? Like, I, I think this is what one thing that KU might be looking for this year. Having a guy who can take a normal, because a lot of what you're talking about, Quentin Skinner would just beat a guy in a post yeah. downfield and make like, a nice catch. Yeah, you're, you're, you're looking Arnold for your contested catch, catch, right? Yes. Can yeah. you get someone to take a drag route? Can you get somebody to take a slant route that was a five-yard pass, a four-yard pass? Can you get them to just bust through a couple guys, juke by somebody, find an open hole, and pick up 20 yards after They had a couple of those, but it was not because the guy was breaking tackles. It was schemed up. Yes. Right? Like, I go back to the Jared Casey touchdown against Texas Tech, the 70-yard or whatever. That was not Jared Casey breaking tackles. No. Wasn't because Jared Casey's faster than everyone. No. (laughs) That was a schemed up play to where he was wide open on, you know, sort of a crosser route and scored a touchdown. Yeah. And you'll still have that, but I think that's what's most interesting to me about the second, what we view to be the second string receivers, because you bring back all your starters. Tanaka Scott, I don't know that Tanaka Scott profiles into that. I think he profiles into being possibly a good receiver, but he could. I don't know. Trevor a Wilson, lot of the talk with him was NFL type body. Yeah. Can make plays. But see, I almost view him to the vein of being the same guy where it's like, like he's going to win contested catch. catches, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Trevor Wilson is the kind of guy with the ball in your hands. He's going to make stuff happen. Douglas Emelian. Uh, I don't know. What we've heard more about him is more of like good route runner, but maybe he has that quickness that he can make that happen. Does KU have that type of guy on the roster? Do we see Savion Morrison line up in the slot sometimes or, or get some of those plays? 
plays where he can make something happen yard after I would catch. like to see more Savion Morrison, mm-hmm. honestly. So I, I think those are all real questions about how they get there again, but I, I think the opportunity I mean, absolutely is there. At one point last season, Savion Morrison was averaging like 12 yards a carry because he would get it and... He had like one like carry for 30 yards yeah. one game, yeah. yeah. Uh, nine was also the number of games that Jalen Daniels played in last season. You would like for that to be higher. 100%. Obviously. Uh, but again, you have Jason Bean, so it's not a disaster if Jalen Daniels gets dinged up again, but... You know, this goes back to the conversation of, listen, Jalen Daniels has now been around and kind of been the de facto starter for multiple years now, and he hasn't played a full season. Okay, if I guaranteed you right now that Jalen Daniels would start and play in 10 of the 12 regular season games, would you take that or roll the dice? Mm, I almost think you'd have to take it, to be honest. Yeah, because at that point, you feel good with Jason Bean for two games. I mean, Jason Bean, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if I said nine games again? In the regular season, though, this time, so it doesn't count the bowl game. Well, did was did last year count the bowl game? Yes, last year technically no, 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 it was no, seven and a half regular season games. It's got to be ten. Okay, it's got to be ten in the regular season. For what it's worth, I think I agree with you. The only caveat I would have is if the injury has an effect on the games he plays. Like, what if, if the injury, if there is an injury, does and it he, make like, him play through right? it? Yeah, and it's not. And he's not as effective. Like the Texas game, for instance. However, I suspect that KU in a situation like that. I don't know. Would you be more conservative if that happens? Well, don't you think... Like, if Jalen Daniels has, like, a... I don't know. Like, what what happened last... Like, if he has, like, an ankle injury, Mm -hmm. and he can still be effective in the pocket, but maybe he's not a very good... Not as good as a runner, or he's not comfortable as a runner. Do you just... Are you you more conservative because you have Jason Bean? Probably. Um... I guess to that notion, do you think the playbook or the play calling will be slightly different? Do you think they're going to try to get less hits on Jalen this year? No, I don't think so. Actually. You don't think so? Just no, open I think game? it's going to be. I think it's going to be wide open. Okay. I think to me, Andy Kolnicki is the type of guy that he is just going to do whatever he thinks is the best and deal with you know whatever else comes afterwards. That's kind of the vibe that I get from him. From, right. from him coming to press conferences and everything. I don't think he's the type of coach that would curtail his playbook to avoid I think he's just going to be like this is the best play let's run that and that's it yeah uh, nine also represents the number of rushing touchdowns that Devin Neal had last season mm. he had eight as freshman will he get to ten nine as sophomore yeah will he get to ten I think it's safe to assume he'll get to ten mm-hmm. I don't know I guess unless Daniel Hyshaw just comes back and is really really good to the point where Devin Neal doesn't have the chance to get that many touchdowns. Yeah, I'm really interested with Devin Neal this year to see what the usage is because you could convince yeah. me that he goes there from— were, There were some games where he was the bell cow guy, but right. there were other games where it felt like they were definitely trying to limit him. Right, and and it's like, you know— But also, it, was it, he was he was playing through some injuries, I think, at various points. Mm-hmm. But, like, on its face, 180 carries for Devin Neal over the season. Like, that's not—it doesn't feel like that's overdoing it. To no. any regard, 1,090 yards. You could convince me he gets 200 carries this year and has 1,200, 1,300 yards, and he has a breakout but season. But would he have less than that because of Daniel Hyshaw? That's the thing, but we don't, we don't know the the status of that. Are they going to try to limit Daniel Hyshaw's exposure early in the season? And I think this is the big thing. I think the staff, because when you look at how it went for the season for Devin Neal, 37 carries in September, 49 carries in October, 85 carries in November. I think they're fine with yeah, it probably had, being... Was it the Oklahoma State game where he had like 33 yes. carries? Yeah. Yeah. You're probably looking at 
I guess to that point, like, can you can you limit him a little more where he can be healthier down? Because the first half of the season, first half of the season, well, he listen, averaged seven point one yards per carry. Now that does include the Tennessee Tech. Yeah, game. I was about to say you didn't need him to run for more than ten times in the Tennessee Tech. Game. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see these numbers without the Tennessee Tech game. But second <laughs> half of the season, it was at five. So that feels like a big enough difference that even if I take out the Tennessee Tech, the first half is going to be like a yard better. Probably, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so can you keep him fresh over the course of the season? Now, is that just something where as a junior now he's going to be ready to take on a bigger load or are you going to try to manage that a little bit more where maybe the touchdowns aren't quite there? I, I do think that if Kansas, if you if you keep Jalen Daniels healthy, in theory you already had a really good offense last year that scored a lot of touchdowns. Well, and if you Jaylen, should score a lot more touchdowns. Yeah, and if Jalen Daniels stays healthy and is utilized as a runner the way we kind of think he will be. He'll vulture that's some. That's also, exactly, that's going to, well, that number one, could vulture touchdowns, but also that that could put a cap on Devin Neal's carries. Yeah. I, if, if Jalen Daniels is getting 12 carries a game, which, I mean, that feels like it could be mm-hmm. a pretty reasonable number. Yeah, averaged at that point 180 divided by 13. You're probably talking about like 14 carries a game, something like that last year. Yeah. But that was within the second half, Daniel Highshaw. In the games that Daniel Highshaw was healthy early in the year, like both were getting like 10 carries. Yeah. So it could be closer to that, 100%. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's... You know, Dalen Daniels gets 10 carries. Yeah. Devin Neal gets 10 carries, and Daniel Highshaw gets 10 carries. Right, and then who knows? Maybe Dylan McDuffie or Savion Morrison get a few here or there, right? Who knows? For all we know, like Dylan McDuffie being a veteran older back, like maybe he could eat in a little bit more to the playing time here. But if I were setting the over-under for touchdowns, I think 10 would be the right number for, yeah. for Devin Neal. Yeah, for rushing and I would, I would say push slash over. I think he'll get to I think 10. he'll be right there. Right yeah, there. I think he'll get to 10. It's a good sign if he does go over. Yes. For sure. Uh, lastly, nine was the amount of pass deflections that Kobe Bryant had. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Do you <laughs> think Kobe Bryant, because we know he was a big play corner, made some yep. key interceptions, although I looked back and I was like, oh, what did he have, like six interceptions or something? I think it was like three or four. It wasn't as many as you remembered being, but he clearly would make big plays over the course of the season, and there were times where he was a lockdown corner. Yeah. I always think back to the Texas Tech game where he was, that, to me, that was his best game last season. Um, do you think he can be a lockdown corner where he's basically the guy that is taking away one receiver, one side of the field that is allowing Brian Borland and the defense to scheme things up in different ways? Yeah, I have a hard time labeling him as a lockdown corner. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know if this is a fair uh, comparison or not, but he kind of reminds me of like a Marcus Peters type player mm-hmm. where he's going to make, make big plays. He's going to get some big pass deflections. He's going to get some big interceptions, but he's probably going to get burned maybe a couple times a game. The basically. OU game is the one that really comes to mind. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's I, again. I don't. I'm not saying that. I don't. I'm not saying that he is that or if that, mm-hmm. that that's necessarily a fair comparison. But that's just kind of his play style. Yeah, right? he's a definitely. But a, he's could that just be because he was still like a sophomore last? Exactly. Year. If he's matured a little bit more and you know has a little bit more of a veteran presence, a little bit better grasp with the playbook and understanding when because right because like at the end of the day especially as an outside corner it's really a risk reward game right like as a corner you have to be calculating when to take a risk when to you know maybe not do that right when to jump when to try to jump around when to try to get physical at the, at the line of scrimmage when to try to jam a receiver when to you know there's it's a risk reward game and Kobe Bryant is definitely on the more risk side of that. I mean, he's a guy that wants to make a big play. He's a guy that wants to do that. And I think that's a good trait to have in a corner. And I definitely would not try to curtail that at all. I would definitely not try to dissuade Kobe Bryant from, you know, if I was Brian Boland, I'd be like, hey man, go go do your thing. 
you know, go out there. If you have a good feel, I don't want you to feel like, you know, you're going to get chided or berated for being aggressive, mm-hmm. right? I'd rather, I'd, if, if I'm, that's just me though. I'd rather have him be aggressive than not aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And and at the end of the day, like, this isn't supposed to be a lockdown defense. So the turnover is going to be more valuable to what KU is doing than, you know, maybe just getting a pass deflection, but being a little bit more technically sound over, I guess, kind of the long haul. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he developed in that guy. I mean, there's a reason that coaches voted him a first team. Yes. All big 12 player. Um, and there, there were some great games in there to, to your point, like, the back half of the season looked really good. Oklahoma State had a really good coverage game. Texas Tech was actually his best coverage game on Pro Football Focus. Texas and Kansas State games didn't grade well. Arkansas game graded about a 71, which is pretty solid there. Um, overall, his coverage grade improved by like eight from his freshman to sophomore year. So if that improves again, you're getting there. Uh, the question that leaves me, though, whether Kobe Bryant is the shutdown corner or the big play corner, either way, that's very valuable. Do you think we're going to start seeing more coaches this year scheme things up offensively where they're avoiding Kobe Bryant. And to that notion, that would put a lot more pressure on like Melo Dotson, Kalen Gervin. Do you think those guys could hold up? I have confidence. Uh, yeah, I have confidence in Gervin. And I think Dotson it showed himself to be reliable enough. The issue was, if you recall, when Kobe Bryant went down with that injury briefly, the backup, you know, the depth there became a serious, serious issue for Kansas. Uh, and so if those three guys, if Dotson and Gervin and Kobe Bryant all stay healthy, I feel pretty solid about that. I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. But if you have a situation where one of those guys is out for a game or something, that's when I'll get more nervous. Because, if you, again, if you look back at the Oklahoma game, was it Chad Dabney that came in and just really, really struggled? Uh, so that would be my concern is what's, what's, what's happening beyond those three guys. You know, what's 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 things looking like after that? That's the main concern there. But I do have faith in those guys. And and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you see some coaches take this approach where when you do have a, a corner that's super uh, aggressive or uber aggressive, sometimes teams go after him. Yeah. Target him more. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just depends. They might target him with double moves. They might target him with with different types of things. Yeah, that does become a real question for me, though. And and how much is that extra year of seasoning? Like, Melo Dotson and Kobe Bryant um, had a lot of good flashes last year. At the end of the day, they weren't dominant. But, you know, in the case of Kobe Bryant, he was first-team All-Big 12. He had a really good year, and Melo Dotson showed some of those flashes. How much is that extra year? How much is that extra year for Kalen Gervin worth in terms of improving their level of play, because if you if you do have one knock lockdown corner and the other corners are not good, it almost negates it because the the opposing okay. team is just going to be like we're just yeah. going to throw that way and it's not going to matter. You know, <laughs> I guess it could, I guess it doesn't yeah. totally negate it because then Kansas can be like we're going to give that side more help. Like the safeties are going to help to that side more. Yeah. So there are ways that Kansas can overcome that, but it almost gets rid of your chess message match advantage there. So uh, those are the numbers nine. We'll get to the numbers eight on next Friday. Nine weeks from K football, man. That's sad. <laughs> or happy, depending or on happy. your point of view. But right now I'm sad. All right. We're going to take a time out with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.
Welcome back in Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN or at KLWN.com. And as we continue on over the offseason here, talking to guests from some of the opponents that Kansas football is going to be playing here in just a few months. Their first road game of the season comes in Reno to take on Nevada. I guess first things first, Chris, um, as as somebody who is is living in the area, Nevada or Nevada? Ah, oh, Nevada for sure. I think the actual pronunciation, if you go back to the Spanish word where it uh, orients from, would be Nevada. But uh, if you call that state here uh, Nevada, people get very mad. So okay. uh, you had it right the first time. Let's go Nevada. <laughs> yes, that's what I've always thought. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a great destination for you to go to your first uh, road game. You can stay in Reno, you can go to Lake Tahoe, a lot to do out there. So uh, Chris Murray joining us now. Uh, as I just kind of talked about here. And Chris is going to help us preview the Nevada side of things. You can find all of Chris's uh, work with the Nevada Sports Network. Uh, so I guess uh, just leading off with this Wolfpack program, this has been a program that, you know, from afar seems like it's been one of the more consistent winning programs that's not a Power Five in the Mountain West and the WAC before that for years and years. And and obviously last year bottomed out to 2-10. and 10. I guess what, what went wrong? How did last year exactly go down? Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it's been one of the more consistent mid-major programs. I mean, bowl games in 14 of the last 18 seasons. That's been with four different head coaches. Now they had most of their success under Chris Alt, uh, he had uh, eight straight bowls, and um, really the biggest issue last year is they lost their head coach, Jane Norvell, to an in-conference move. He went from Nevada to Colorado State. That was the first time a sitting Mountain West head coach went from one school to another, and he took about a dozen players with him. In addition to Nevada losing a very strong senior class, they had three guys signed NFL contracts, two of which were drafted. So there just was not a lot of talent on the roster last year. Four first-year head coach Ken Wilson previously had been the co-defensive coordinator at Oregon. He had spent almost 25 years at Nevada as an assistant under Chris Alt, also worked in at, uh, athletic administration when Chris Alt was the athletic director here at Nevada. Chris Alt still has a huge imprint on this program, lives in the area, and was involved in that recruiting and decision-making process. So this is kind of a uh, homegrown head coach, and this is his first chance being a head coach. He's almost 60 years old, so it took a while to get this opportunity. And I just think he was dealt a pretty rough hand in terms of personnel. But that being said, Nevada had a number of games it could have won. It lost to Colorado State, that grudge match game against Jane Norvell coming back into town by three points. They lost to rival UNLV by a couple of points. They lost the game to San Jose State that they should have won. They lost the game to Incarnate Word, an FCS program that made it all the way to the Final Four at that level um, by a touchdown. So there were four or five really close games that they were not able to secure, and that's why they had two wins instead of six wins. And like you said, that really was a bottoming out for that program. It was the lowest and worst record this school has had since moving to the FBS in 1992. And they went 0-8 in conference play. It's the first time in program history more than 100 years that they lost every single conference game. So I guess, as they say, nowhere to go but up. But certainly last year was not a great first season for Ken Wilson. Yeah, so I mean, is is there renewed hope that they can bounce all the way back to what we're used to seeing? Or, or does this feel more of a longer-term rebuild that maybe there's a slight increase this year and then maybe in two or three years down the road it's back to being that consistent bowl type of team? Yeah, I mean, the roster is in a much better spot. They've probably added about a dozen Pac-12 transfers during the offseason, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Brendan Lewis is probably going to be the starter at quarterback. He came from Colorado where he started uh, for a full season in the Pac-12. 
Uh, they got a running back named Ashton Hayes, who's actually a local product from Reno, um, had played at Cal. Um, they got five or six players from Cal. Their new uh, run game coordinator and offensive line coach, Angus McClure, has spent the previous three years at Cal, so he brought some players over. Um, got a couple of Oregon transfers as well. As I mentioned, not only was Ken Wilson previously at Oregon, about half of the staff here at Nevada was previously at Oregon. So it's a much more talented roster, and I think you look at the schedule, they could go out there and win six games and get back to a bowl, maybe just have that one-game blip, one-season blip where things kind of bottomed out and they bounce back up. More than likely, you're probably looking at four wins, five wins. Uh, you look at the Vegas betting lines, some have the win total at two and a half, and that is uh, among the lowest in the country. So I don't think this is a team that can compete for a Mountain West championship. I do think it's a team that can compete for a postseason berth because there is a lot more talent up and down the roster, but not a lot of these guys have played together. So I think from Kansas' perspective, getting Nevada earlier in the season, probably a good thing. The Wolfpack does open the season at USC. That's probably going to be a rough game. So just the confidence in this team might be a little bit fragile out of the gates just with last year's lack of success and then probably going to be a pretty significant loss in the season opener at USC uh, before they host Idaho, and then after that comes the game against Kansas. So this will be a better team, specifically on offense, where they really struggled, but I don't think this is going to be an elite team within the Mountain West. Offensively, just 18.8 points per game last year. You talked about some of the, the big transfers that they did bring in to kind of supplant being a better offense, but stylistically, what does the offense look like or, or what do they want to do uh, from Nevada because what you mentioned with Chris Alt like you know you just remember I don't know running pistol and stuff and uh, then with the previous iteration of the coach you, you just think of them throwing the ball around the yard so what what exactly is the style of this offense yeah I mean Nevada's been known for its offense over the years Chris Alt's the only coach at the FBS level to have a team lead the nation in rushing in one year and lead a, uh, the nation in passing in a different year so he was pretty uh, malleable in terms of the kind of offense he wanted to throw out there. Uh, the head coach before Ken Wilson here at Nevada, Jay Norvell, who I previously mentioned, they ran the air raid system. Ken Wilson does not want to run that system. He wants to run the ball 55 60% of the time. They do run out of the pistol. It's pretty Oregon-infused, UCLA-infused, Utah-infused. It's a read-option um, style of offense. I think Brandon Lewis, the kid from Colorado, is probably going to start at quarterback much more mobile than what Nevada had last year. So you should have a little bit more danger in terms of that dual threat ability under center. But Nevada needs to get its run game going. It basically ditched the run game during the air raid. And to be able to rebuild that back up with a quality offensive line with good running backs, that is going to take a couple years. And that's what the, diff the most difficult part of the transition was. So, um, you know, Nevada basically hit 125 rushing yards in only three games last year. So um, that's the biggest point of emphasis is can you get this offensive line back to where it was under Chris Alt? Now, Chris Alt's last season at Nevada was 2012. The decade since then, Nevada's offensive line has not been, frankly, very good. Under Alt, yeah, I mean, you had star players like your Colin Kaepernick's and your Nate Burleson's and bigger names uh, of the skill position players, but the heartbeat of that offense and the reason they were always among the nation leaders in scoring 35, 40 points per game was because the offensive line was great. I don't think this year's offensive line is going to be great. Only 37 returning starts among that offensive line group, none more than 10. So that is still a major concern is how will Nevada be able to run the ball when it wants to have a run-based offense. Uh, I do think they'll get more of that running game out of the quarterback, and that will make the run game better. But the personnel in terms of who they have uh, you know, at running back and not the offensive line, not great. They lost a five-year starter at running back, Toa Tawa, 
currently playing in the USFL. So uh, kind of a rebuild uh, at the running back position. But they have some talented backs. Sean Dollar is a transfer from Oregon, former four-star recruit. This will be his first year at Nevada, and I obviously mentioned Ashton Hayes as well. So a couple of Pac-12 transfers at that running back room that will add a little bit more speed than what Nevada's had there in the past. Just really have holes to run through. So I, I feel like based on that last answer, it might give a clue to what this next question will be. But if you had to pick a position that is the strongest on the Nevada offense and a position that is maybe the, the biggest question mark or weakest link, what would you go with? Yeah, I mean, I think running back is the, the best position, but I think there, there are some question marks there because despite those guys coming from the Pac-12, it's not like they played a ton. Sean Dollars did average more than six yards per carry with the Ducks. So, um, you know, I think he's a very talented player. For me, it is the offensive line in terms of the biggest question mark. Um, there's just not a lot of experience there. There's not a lot of uh, depth there. Um, you know, they probably have seven or eight guys who have started four or five games. But they really only have one guy who's even started a full season, that being the left tackle, uh, Isaiah World, uh, who's only in his third year at Nevada. So um, can Angus McClure, the offensive line coach, get that group going? Angus spent um, a lot of time at some Power 5 uh, programs. He spent more than a decade at UCLA. So he's a very good line coach, just doesn't have a ton to work with. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, their linebackers should be super, super good. Drew Watts was uh, among the players in the running for Mountain West Freshman of the Year last year. I think he had eight straight games with a tackle for loss. Uh, they have another linebacker, Naki Matualona, who's an experienced player. He's a returning starter. They added a guy named Jackson LeDuke, a transfer from Oregon. Again, originally from Reno, coming back into the area. He should be a very big impact player at linebacker. So they're pretty strong there. They're pretty strong at cornerback. Um, I think safety is the biggest concern. Nevada did lose its top three tacklers last year. All three of them were safeties. One of them was an AP midseason All-American, a kid named Bentley Sanders. So, um, you know, replacing him, replacing a kid named Tyson Williams, who was a four-year starter. Uh, the back end of that defense, a little bit more of a question mark. But I think there are more positions where you can look and say, you know, this actually might be a strength than what Nevada saw last year. And what the Wolfpack is hopeful for is, is there is a lot more depth on the roster. So those close losses I mentioned from last season, they feel like they'll be better in the fourth quarter and be able to sustain and finish games better this year than they were able to do in 2022. Yeah, and you bring up some of the, the positions on that defensive end, which, you know, you look at the stats and it didn't show out super well, but uh, shoot, man, for, uh, you know, some teams that we've had here in Lawrence in the past, you could just see the, the offense kind of causing issues for the defense where you just constantly are giving up short fields and, and not holding on to the ball long enough, and then the statistics on the defense suffer even if it is the better unit. Uh, was that kind of the sense of the defense last year that, that it was better than maybe some of the numbers would indicate and that maybe the hope this year is that it can be an upper half or upper tier defense in the Mountain West? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the case. I mean, Nevada's offense allowed opposing defenses to score six touchdowns straight off of turnovers. Uh, you know, you look at that game against Colorado State, Nevada loses 17-14. to 14. Colorado State scored two defensive touchdowns. That was 14 of their points. The other three game on the last uh, play of the game on a 40-yard field goal. You look at the game against UNLV, they lose by four points. Um, UNLV scored a defensive touchdown by a bone-hated play by the offense. So Nevada's defense was in some very tricky and precarious situations last year. Ken Wilson, uh, as I mentioned, he was a co-defensive coordinator at Oregon before. So it's not super often that you see defensive coordinators necessarily get head coaching jobs. That usually tends to be the offensive coordinator route. So I do think with Ken Wilson's expertise with the staff he has in place on the defensive side of the ball, yes, the Wolfpack does lose some quality players. In addition to those safeties I mentioned, they lose a defensive tackle, a kid by the name of Don Peterson, who ranked top five in program history and tackles for loss and sacks. Um, so they're going to have to replace 
uh, his production up on the front of the defensive line. But I think Ken Wilson's defenses will always be at least solid here at Nevada. The bigger question is, can he get the offense, which he's pretty hands-off on, can he get that side going and being a little bit more electric and, frankly, just not losing the games for the team, which, you know, in a couple of games last year, they did just straight up lose the games. The loss to Incarnate Word by a touchdown. Uh, there was a defensive touchdown by the Cardinals. So there were a number of situations last year where the offense kind of short-circuited. In terms of Nevada's defense, they had nine turnovers forced in their first two games, nine takeaways. They started 2-0, and and then they lost the last 10 games of the season. Those takeaways really dried up over the back half of the season. They had more takeaways in the first two games than they forced in the last 10 games combined. Wow. So can they create a little bit more havoc like they did early last season um, throughout the entire campaign will be their big question mark. What are the local thoughts then? I mean, if, if the over-under win total is only two and a half, I, I, I don't know how that uh, is being thought of from the local standpoint of how good this team could be. But, like, you know, uh, from the perspective of bringing Kansas in, obviously in years past that would feel like an opportunity to, you know, pull off a Power 5 win, and maybe that thought is still there. Obviously Kansas made a bowl game this past year. So I, I don't know. What are kind of the local thoughts on how winnable of a game this could be? I mean, I think they think it is winnable. I think a lot of it stems on how the season starts. So, you know, like I said, you start at USC. That's probably going to be a lopsided loss. You're going to get the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. It's really that next game. You're hosting an FCS school in Idaho. That's always a check mark in the win column. But with Nevada losing to its FCS opponent last season, um, if they come out and they look sluggish or not great against Idaho, certainly if they lose against Idaho, I don't think there's going to be a lot of hope for the Wolfpack when they go into that game against Kansas, against a Power 5 opponent. It's been a long time since a Power 5 opponent has even come to Mackey Stadium here at Nevada. Last time it happened, 2019, Purdue came into town. Nevada was down huge in that game. They actually ended up winning on a 56-yard walk-off field goal by a walk-on kicker who was in his first season of his true freshman year. He was put on scholarship in the locker room after the game. He is now one of Nevada's captains in his fifth year here, a kid named Brandon Talton. He's actually going to be at the Mountain West Media Days down in Las Vegas a couple of weeks from now, kind of representing the team. The year before that, 2018, Nevada beat Oregon State at home. So they have beaten a number of power conference teams in recent years. They opened the 2020 uh, season, um, you know, uh, beating and playing Cal on the road. So there's a history of Nevada beating power conference teams. And obviously you look at Kansas, that's a winnable game. You look at its home, that's a winnable game. So I think that would be huge for Nevada. If they can go out and get that win and kind of show, yeah, this is a different year than what you guys experienced last year in terms of the fans. Um, you know, I think there is a lot riding on that game. In terms of the two-and-a-half wins, it does seem low to me. I think Nevada gets to four or five wins. The conference schedule is fairly uh, easy. The non-conference schedule, yeah, you got Kansas and USC, but you also got Idaho and Texas State, a team Nevada beat by a lot of points last year. So I think they'll get to four and five wins. Now, if they're able to beat teams like Kansas, then you're talking about you know probably making a bowl. Well, I, I'm curious uh, in terms of the the crowd, the the fan environment. What has that been like lately? And in, in last season, how were the how was the stadium filling up? And, and do you imagine you know even though it's not a, a sexy Power Five name of of hosting, still hosting a Power Five school in Kansas? Do you think it will be a, an electric crowd or, or a good crowd? What what do you envision that'll look like on uh, that Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, last year, not great. I mean, it was their lowest attendance on a per-game basis since 1989. 1989, they actually sold out the stadium. It was just a smaller stadium. So um, right around 14,000 fans announced per-game last season. Um, so that was their lowest attendance in their FBS era. Now, Nevada was going through an athletic director change. That happened uh, right around this point of the year 
last year. So they hadn't done a really good job of sell, selling season tickets as they were trying to, you know, rework their athletic administration. Um, their athletic director I spoke with uh, last month said they've already surpassed last year's season ticket base. This year, with all of these, you know, weeks still to sell before the home opener compared to last year. So I do think that um, they're doing a much better job of, of getting people, um, you know, season tickets and, and into the stadium. But you're probably looking at maybe eighteen to 20,000, depending upon how the game against Idaho goes. This stadium only holds 27,000, so it's not super large. But you do look at the history of Nevada playing at home against power conference teams, and that does tend to juice the attendance about 20 to 25%. Yes. Kansas is not maybe your marquee, uh, you know, team out there in the Big 12, but it is a, a fairly big name. And to me, it's the best home game on the schedule with the exception of the rival UNLV. So um, I do think there's a lot of effort to getting a lot of fans to that game. So it should be a pretty solid environment, but it certainly is not going to be one of the more raucous that Kansas plays in front of this season. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. I know Kansas fans are uh, hoping there isn't some sort of uh, Nick Fazekas appearance at the game. <laughs> And uh, it should be a fun one. (laughs) So he's actually in Japan right now. So you should be pretty good there. He's been playing in Japan for like the last 10 years. He's actually a a naturalized Japanese citizen. Um, He helped them get to the Olympics when they hosted during the Tokyo game. So he did come back to campus. They retired his number uh, three, four years ago. Um, But I don't think he's been back to Reno since then. So you should be spared, but maybe the Wolfpack uh, puts in a call and gets uh, Fazekas out here for that game. Yeah, that could be the X factor there. Well, Chris, I appreciate the time here. Maybe maybe we'll catch up again once we get to game week down the road. But uh, thanks again for, for hopping on the show here. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Chris Murray of the Nevada Sports Network joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Chris for hopping on the show and helping us preview the Nevada side of things. That's very interesting. You hear some of that stuff. And and on one hand, uh, one of the things that obviously came to mind for me was Nevada, if their weakness on offense is the offensive line, KU, you have questions. How good is the defensive line going to be? That's going to be a good barometer game because if the Kansas defensive line struggles against a Nevada offensive line that has questions, that's not a great sign for Kansas moving forward, but that does present an opportunity for the Kansas defensive line to uh, maybe impose their will a little bit. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. uh, One hour down, two to go on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Harrison Utley, 2024 commit in about 25 minutes from right now. But first, we're going to do something stupid. We're going to do a football draft so of mythical creatures. Derek was is so nervous for this. Or he's so I don't even know what the right word would be. He was just clapping and hyping himself up for like the a minute. Just in the studio. I was ready to go. Was, you got it pumped up for the draft, no, it man. Was, it's the it was, draft. No, it was, no? It, was, it, was weird. it was weird. Um but listen, we got boys in the war room. We do. We've been we've been scouting. Yep. You've so, already you've already written I have, I'm looking at you've already, already written down first your first pick. Yep. Wow, okay. Uh, so the we're pick. gonna do, 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 hold, do, hold on, hold do, on. Do, do. Let me explain. The pick is in. Alright, we're gonna we're gonna pick a head coach, a quarterback, a running back, receiver, which means all your receivers are this. Offensive line, which means all your offensive line are this. Yep. Same goes for defensive line, linebackers, and defensive backs. So we're going to each take eight picks, make a football team out of mythical creatures. And my first pick in the draft is werewolves. I'm taking them to play receiver. Have you ever seen Teen Wolf? That thing gets up there. It's throwing down dunks. It is the best athlete on the floor. I think this is a good but also terrible pick. Okay. Well, I think think werewolves is a good pick, but... To me, werewolves would have been perfect as secondary or linebackers. 
So I think mm. as wide receiver, it's a bad pick. I think the 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 werewolf is so good. Like again, in Teen Wolf, it's so good at jumping up in the air. It'll catch passes. I think it's a bad pick for wide receiver. I I don't. It, it's a skinnier thing. I I don't want it playing then linebacker. Put it in the secondary. Nah. Put it in the secondary. Wide Dude, receiver. They're fast. Werewolf, they're ferocious. Man. I mean, all think reasons about, why they think could about be a good the receiver. Sideline to sideline capabilities you would have if they were all your linebackers. Nope. All reason why they're good receivers. They're nope. going to catch everything. They're going to get a lot of ru- uh, yards pick. after catch. You're a this bad pick. Is- <laughs> you have back to back picks. <laughs> this is a bad pick. All right, with my first pick, I hmm, got some decent options here. I'm going to go to the D line. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of depth on the D line. Tick, 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 tick. I'm thinking here. Uh, no, I'll go to the D-line. I'll go to the D-line. With my first pick, I'm going with uh, Minotaurs. They wow. are half man, half bull with a bull so, head, and they're just going to bull rush you every single time you try to do anything on the pass. So I Minotaurs think on the D-line. This is a bad position. Um, I actually had them as my number one running back. They would no, truck I've got, you over. I've got better running back. They have, but here, here's the thing. There are only a limited amount of these actual these mythical creatures that have human hands. This is one of those things that has human hands. You need things with human hands nah. to carry the football nah. and to catch the football. They're just going to bull rush. No, they're going to collapse the pocket every time you try to throw. But they have human hands. Great they're not, bull rush. Do you think they're going to be using yes. their head? Yes, to, they're going to charge like a bull. What do you mean? That's how you get CTE. That's how you this break a, your neck. This is one game. You know what they teach in football? I have unlimited minotaurs coming off the bench. They teach in football get not back, to tackle hey. with your head down. I don't care. Get in there. Lower your head. Get in there. Better bull rush. D-line. This is a bad pick. Get, get in there. Bull rush. All right. All the way to the pocket. You're, you're going to never be able to throw because the you're going to have bull rush from every direction. Their head's going to be gonna down. Collapse. They can't see the quarterback. To that tackle doesn't matter. Him. Yes, that it does. Matter. How do you tackle someone if you can't see him? Your they're head's not, down. <laughs> that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Okay. With my second pick, I think I'm going to go wide receiver as well here. I'm going to go with centaurs as my wide receivers. Dude, what are you doing? They're horses with man, with guys. What on are the you upper doing? Half. What do you mean? What am I doing? You good, are taking team. all the positions that you need a hand with. Centaur was my number one quarterback. To throw the ball, you need someone with no, a hand. No, they've got great speed. They've got do their they? horses. They're horses. What do you mean, do they? They're literally horses. But compared to the other mythical creatures, horses are not straight that line fast. They can run. Yes. No, this is a great pick. That's a horrible pick. You're a horrible pick. Oh, my gosh. That was my number one quarterback. That's who I was going <laughs> to take next pick. So this is frustrating. Um, so those are great receivers. They've got hands. They can run fast. They can't really jump high in the air. They don't need to do that. Receivers? They can just run by Receivers you. don't need to jump high in they the air. They can just run by you. Okay. They have great straight lines. Oh, my gosh. This is gosh. a great pick. This is a horrible pick. Um, you're just mad because you wanted them. That's why you're mad. As a different position, that's, which makes well, me better even position. more mad. I would have been okay if you took them at quarterback because I would no, have understood No, it. that's a terrible pick for quarterback. This is like you being like, we're going to take— This is a bad pick for quarterback because they, there's— You're how, Ben Polian. They, they you're Ben no Polian. You, you wanted Lamar Jackson as a running that's back. That's a bad that's pick you for did quarterback here. because they're, they're horses. So they can run fast and they have human hands to throw. <laughs> All the other things don't have human hands. All right, we're going with linebacker here. I'm going to go with the Demogorgon. Oh, from— uh, Stranger, Stranger Things, things okay. and other things. Um, Demogorgons okay. are fast. They are defensive. They hit you. I mean, nothing better than a Demogorgon. And Demogorgons are versatile enough that I can use them in pass rush if I want to play a three-four, or they can go out and cover, and I can I can run them in a three in a uh, four-three. Okay. Plenty of uh, opportunity there. Man, this is where it gets tough. <laughs> um, 
Okay, let's go with dragons. That's going to be my defensive backs. Okay. So now I have... So we had kind of discussed this off air that the policy... We're going to play the game in a dome Mm -hmm. so that your flying abilities are limited just by playing in a dome. And I think the rule is going to be you can only fly 25 feet in the air max. Otherwise, sure. it's a penalty. Yeah, but it can still fly. It's yeah. fast. It's big. It can use its tail. It can use its wings to knock down passes. It's ferocious. It can breathe fire, possibly. I don't know how that impacts things here. <laughs> but I, I think the dragons are just blanketing the centaurs. Like, I don't even think it's a discussion. <laughs> no, the centaurs are going to... All right. I have a question here. Yes. About a particular mythical creature. How, in what way are you going to view elves? Are you? Th- I'm thinking like, are, you, are we thinking like Lord of the Rings elves, or are we thinking like? I'm thinking like little. Or are we thinking like more miniature? Like what? Yeah. What? Like the, what? The, what, what, the, what the are you cookie elves. Are those elves you're thinking yeah. about? So you're you don't you want Lord of the Rings them. elves. You can take that. Do whatever you no, want. No, but I'm saying I don't know what, which elves are we going with here. That is up to you. You pick the elves and the people okay, will well, decide I want, when they vote on the this. The Lord of the Rings elves, that's the elves that I want. So okay. can we clarify that? No, you, you have to write elves. <laughs> this yeah, isn't, but not, <laughs> these are mythical creatures. Lord this of the not, Rings elves. These are mythical creatures. These are not movie characters. These are mythical creatures. Elves so you are mythical elves. creatures. Okay, so you get elves. From Lord of the Rings. No, Those, you that's can't. That's the specific no, one I want. You get elves specifically. What position are these no, short, I'm, tiny people playing? No, see, you're just gonna spin it because you're no. That's wrong. I'm telling you, this is mythical creatures. That's this just isn't wrong. Movie draft, and you can pick Lord of the Rings. No, no, you I'm, get all elves. I understand, but elves there are open to interpretation. So okay. I want the well, one let interpretation. Let the listener interpret that. <laughs> then I want like what no. Position then are I'll they just play? get like high elves or wood elves, the elves that are taller. What position are they playing? That, well, it's gonna be my quarterback potentially. Sheesh. Okay, elves. But I don't. I don't know if that's what I want because I. I want the specific ones. I'm putting elves at your quarterback. Who is your next pick? All right, elves at quarterback. By the way, good luck seeing over your offensive line whenever that I haven't pick. drafted an offensive line I know, yet, but so just you're relax. going to pick something that is inherently 17 times the size <laughs> of an elf. Not if I get the, the Lord of the Rings elves that I want. Okay. You see what I'm saying? What, what are you doing? I put elf. Okay, thank you. I have another pick, right? Yep. Okay. I I should probably just go ahead and go for the O-line now, I think. All right. Oh, you haven't you haven't drafted D-line yet. I have not drafted either line of scrimmage. Mm. I'm not building like they say you should. Build mm. from the lines. Mm. I don't have a quarterback either. <laughs> not good uh, draft value from that standpoint for my end. All right. For the O-line, I'm going to go with Golems. Okay. These are uh, rock-like, mud-clay-type creatures that are big and very difficult to move. Yeah. And I think they will be great as an O-line. So I actually think this is a good pick from what it is. I did not have it on my draft board because I was worried. I part of this too. Also. Part of this, too, is we're going to put this up for a vote. And you have to hope that the people who are voting actually know what it is. I think, know what gonna be, are. I think there's going to be some people who see golems and think golem from Lord of the Rings. No, no, no. And no, think no. that's your offensive no, line. No, no, no. I'm telling you, some totally, people are going to think that. That's spelled totally differently. Some people are going to think it is that. It's spelled differently. I'm just letting you wrong. know. I'm letting you so know. So here's the, actually, the, the, the issue, the concern that I have with golems, though, is they are not particularly 
nimble creatures or have great mobility. Okay. So I'm a little nervous on like the tackles of them being able to get outside and on pass protection. Okay. That's my main concern. All right. I think they'll be fantastic on the interior, and I think they're going to get a great push and run blocking. I'm nervous about protecting from the tackle positions. Okay. All right, so I have back-to-back picks. Let's get my quarterback out of the way. I'm going to go with Vampire at quarterback. Mm. This is a two-play okay. strategy for me. One, you can't take Vampire now. for Because Vampire could play a lot of positions. Vampire could play receiver. Again, th- but again, I think this is similar to the discussion of going back to the idea of the elves. Which, what version of vampires are you getting? There's lots of different iterations yeah. of vampires. Some are really fast. Some are really so which, strong. Exactly. So you don't know which one you're getting. I don't. That's why I'm going quarterback because I could have the potential for them being a fast quarterback. At the very least, we know they have human hands. We know they are smart. It, we're in a dome, so we don't have to worry about the sunlight. Um, if this not, is unless like Dracula, it, not unless we're playing in the Cowboys stadium. <laughs> I guess. Uh, if, if this is like Dracula or something, I, I feel like he can use his bats to like move the football somewhere. I feel like it's going to work out. So we're going vampire at quarterback. Okay. And then uh, we're going to go with our offensive line here, which we're going to go with release the Kraken. What? Yes. No. Krakens. Kraken? Is that plural already? <laughs> Kraken is in his offensive line. Okay, think about this. <laughs> a Kraken is basically just like, what, like a giant squid almost? I, I, sort of. I guess. Um, It has all those like long arms, legs, whatever you want to call them, right? <laughs> Okay. So it has like eight basically gigantic tentacles. Good luck rushing the passer when I have eight arms from each lineman to block you. I know have <laughs> 40 arms or however many. I don't know if it's six arms or eight arms the Kraken has. You are not getting by. And not only that, the Kraken, its arms have suction cups. It's sticky. Okay? So it's basically going to be like I'm holding you, but it's not illegal because it's just how my arms are. You're screwed. I, I, you can't rush the passer. I don't think that's a good pick. I disagree. You're not getting by a Kraken. How? How are you getting by a Kraken? Five I, of them? Good luck. I don't know. All right, back-to-back picks. All right, my turn? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go running back here. I've got two options that I think are both pretty good. I'm going to go with Goblins as my running back. They're fast. They're shifty. Are they're they? Little. They can... I thought Goblins were big. No. What are you talking about? I read one website as I was doing... Uh, no, maybe that was something. Maybe that was trolls. Maybe I'm thinking of trolls. Trolls are big. Trolls are big. No, goblins are they're fast. Right. They're speed. Are they fast? They're shifty. They yes. Very fast. It says they walk upright even though their arms nearly reach their knees. It doesn't sound like a fast creature to me. Dude, they run fast. What are okay. you talking about? I, uh, they're goblins. I'll take your word for it. Goblins are running back. Okay. You have Good another pick. pick. Oh, I need, you need so a what do coach, I need? linebacker, and defensive back. Okay. For my linebacker, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm kind of torn here. All right, I'm going to toss this. I'm going to toss this out here. You can veto this if you want, because it's kind of similar to a pick you already have. Okay. Hellhounds. Uh, what is a hellhound? It's, it's literally exactly what it sounds like. It is a flaming, vicious wolf dog thing. Sure. Okay, I just didn't know if it was too similar to werewolves because they're they're ba- I mean they're basically werewolves except they're on fire. I will give you yeah. hellhounds because I think again you're gonna lose some votes on this where people are like, what is that, dude? It's 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 the most self-explanatory name you can think of. Hellhound, mm. hound from hell. What is that else here to explain? Mm. That's gonna know. be my linebackers. I don't know, man. All right, I need a head coach, running back, and defensive line. 
Hmm. I could go with the all aquatic line. I had crack in an offensive line. I could go lock this month. By the way, that was something else we talked about. Yeah. Basically, so suspend disbelief yeah, on the aquatic stuff. Here and right? it's going to be. They can breathe above water. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I. Okay. Here's my concern with the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. And why I don't think you should pick it. The Loch Ness Monster, a part of its myth, myth is that mm-hmm. you don't even really know what it is or what it looks like. That's true. So you don't even really know what you're getting if you pick it. You no, that's saying? a good point. That's a good point. Um, let's see. Just like we had the same discussion with the Boogeyman. Like the Boogeyman is a mythical, but like part of what makes it mythical is that you don't even really know what the Boogeyman is. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with Yetis. Yetis uh, are my Yetis. defensive linemen. Yetis are pretty high up on my list. I actually had him ranked as a linebacker, but, you know, I, I think I, I can think be Yetis, versatile enough. Yeah, I think Yetis is a good pick. Yeah, Yetis, big, strong. They can play in the cold once we get to real football weather, <laughs> obviously. Okay, and then uh, I need a head coach and a running back. You've already taken your running back, so I don't necessarily need this one, but I guess I could. I'm going to go unicorns, baby. As running back? Unicorn and running back. How you are just, they going to carry the ball? You stick it on the horn. <laughs> you stick it on the horn, they'll never fumble. It's I'm, pierced okay. on there. I'm surprised you went with unicorns because I think there's a pretty obvious running back option that I think is as good as goblins or maybe better because I was really, really torn. Leprechauns. Are they? F- I don't as think they're fast. Backs, but they're lucky and they run fast. But they're tiny and if they get hit once, they're going to die. But see, I'm operating, if a leprechaun I'm operating gets tackled the by that a- You basically have unlimited of that player. <laughs> I know. You have so a 53-man <laughs> roster. It's like the NFL. <laughs> If you if your minotaur tackles my leprechaun running back, he, he's he's dead. He's out for the game. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm going unicorns, man. They're fast. They can. I think they can fly like on rainbows and stuff. Like, I don't think unicorns. I mean, fly, no. I, the best stiff arm in the game. It's an actual horn with his head. The best truck stick, right? You got the football on there. He's never gonna fumble. Boom. All right. <laughs> What's your? You need a head coach and a DB. I think unicorns is not a good pick at running back. But okay, my defensive back. I'm torn between two options. They're basically the same thing, though. So I'm torn between either a griffin or a pegasus. Okay. So they're both basically the same thing. They're both, like, really strong horse-like creatures that fly. The pegasus has an eagle head, I believe, and griffins are more like... They're kind of like a phoenix, I think. I think I'm going to go with pegasus as my for my defensive backs. Again, fun word. they're horses. They can run really fast. They can fly around. Knock, knock stuff down. I think it's a solid. I think that's a really, really solid late value pick. Okay, honestly. And who's your head coach? My head coach. Oh, okay, I think just from a hilarious, just from a funny perspective, I think it'd be hilarious if my coach was a Cyclops. <laughs> okay. So I'm going with Cyclops. Okay. I don't really have any logic behind that, other than like, think about this. How many times is it like your team does something bad and on the broadcast they cut to the coach? Mm-hmm. Just how funny would it be to just cut it to like this dumbfounded, <laughs> one-eyed Cyclops? Huh? Cyclops. Yeah. No, you're right. It would be. Be like when they. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I've been saving my head coach pick to the end because I wanted to give you the chance to take it, but um, I think this wins me the game no matter what. How do you? How do you figure? My head coach is a genie. I okay. get three wishes. Okay, I wish to win once, the game. Once you're out of those oh. three wishes, then you're done. It doesn't matter. My first wish was win the game. But you can't just you can't just wish Why? to win the game because it has to be something that's happening right then and there. So like you would be like, I wish to score a touchdown on this play, and that would work. But you only get three of those. Okay, fine. The first the three the drive, first three times you touch the ball, I'm, I'm going to go. I wish it's a turnover. 
Now I have th- I'm plus three in turnovers right off the bat. Obviously, then, I'm going to win. But then that's not a guarantee that you'd win, though. But it gives me a great upper hand. All right, so the final teams here. My head coach is a genie. Uh, I have a vampire at quarterback. Unicorns are my running backs. Werewolves at receiver. Krakens on the offensive line. Yetis on the defensive line. Demogorgons at linebacker. Dragons at defensive back. I think I killed this draft. You have a Cyclops at head coach for some reason. An elf at quarterback. Goblins at running back. Centaurs at receiver. Golems at offensive line. Minotaurs at defensive line. Hellhounds at linebacker. And Pegasuses at DB. You're going to get crushed in this draft. I disagree. Okay. I disagree. I think I've got a pretty solid. All right, well, it's one-to-one right now in the vote. So <laughs> it this is will one-to-one. be the uh, rubber match. Yep. All right, we're going to completely switch gears from that. Harrison Hutley, class of 2024 commit for uh, KU football from Norman, Oklahoma. Big-time pickup for uh, the Jayhawks and Lance Leipold. We're going to catch up with him coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined by another special guest from the class of 2024 commit for the KU football program. That would be one Harrison Utley, who is a offensive lineman as part of the class, one of three offensive linemen reeled in by uh, KU for this upcoming season. So I guess, Harrison, first things first, take me through your uh, football career. What what age were you when you started playing football and, and kind of what year or what age were you when, when you realized this was something you loved and, and that you were really good at? Uh, gosh, I've always liked, I've always liked football since I was young. It's kind of like the sport to play. You played on the playground and stuff, but I've always been like a flag football guy. I started playing padded football in seventh grade. And so that's whenever I started, you know, actually hitting people. Um, and I guess just throughout, high school and stuff and getting to meet the players and like girl bond with everyone is kind of when I realized that football was the sport I really enjoyed. So you're from Norman, Oklahoma. Did you grow up an, an OU fan? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I've definitely been an OU fan for as long as I can imagine, especially like Baker Mayfield. He's probably one of my favorite players. And I was probably doesn't sit well in Lawrence, but um <laughs> He's always kind of played with like a chip on his shoulder and stuff, and he was a transfer in as a walk on. So I don't know. I feel like he's always just kind of been out there with something to prove, and it's kind of always inspired me, I guess. So is that is that a, a little bit sad that that you won't get the chance with with OU moving to the SEC that, that you won't get that chance to? I, I mean, who knows? Maybe a non conference game or something. Uh, Kansas going into Norman and, and getting to play. Although I guess on the flip side, you could have a chance to to have KU at Stillwater. I guess what what would that game feel like? Do you think when when you're in a KU uniform, getting to go down to your home state at least and, and take on a team that you know if you were rooting for OU all your life, that means you probably uh, have had Oklahoma State as a rival all your life <laughs> yeah i mean oh it would always be nice to go and beat Stillwater and, and all the other teams but you know we can still play OU in the playoffs too so go beat them there that'd be amazing that's that's i, I love that perspective uh you come up to lawrence you, you visit uh what were your thoughts on I, I don't know if you've been to lawrence before your your official visit to town but what were kind of your thoughts on on what the campus what the university would be like before versus when you did actually come through for the visit hmm. well so i've been on a game day visit which was which, which is when they played tco which they hosted college game day and then junior day in that official and honestly before I wasn't really sure what to expect around there, but the more I've gotten to like be around Lawrence and stuff, it's more of like a, it's a comfortable town. 
I guess I would say it reminds me a lot of like Norman. And so it's, it's not too big. It's not too small. And then you still have uh, Kansas city, you know, like 30 minutes away. So it's, I feel like it's kind of the good mix of everything. And then campus is actually really beautiful. It's really hilly. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. I mean, it'll be a lot of, a lot of walking some big calves, but um, I think this is beautiful. Yeah, that's the the saying they have, KU calves. You certainly develop those over the year. Uh, <laughs> did you have a favorite thing about either the campus or the facilities or just the city in general? Uh, probably just the size of it and how comfortable it is. I mean, it's nice, and you have Mass Street, too, and so that's just nice. Like It's like a nice little downtown, and the food's always great, too. Uh, which which coach that you interacted with? I don't, I don't know if it would be Lance Leipold or Scott Fuchs, the the offensive line coach, or somebody else. Uh, which coach do, did you find to be the funniest uh, among your interactions? The funniest, I feel like Coach K was always trying to joke around. <laughs> it, it was mainly it was mainly at Coach Fuchs' expense, though. So <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think Fuchs appreciated it that much, but Coach K was always cracking a joke. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on Scott Fuchs, your, your future offensive line coach and, and what he's going to help you do at the collegiate level? Well, I've gotten to know him like really well over the past year because he's been recruiting me for a while now. And he's a really like relatable and authentic person. And we've had phone, we have, we've had FaceTimes every week for the past year and just getting to know him. It's kind of like more of a real person. He gets into more of a real person and, um, being able to be there and like the official visit he was with my family the entire weekend and getting to meet his wife and um he's just a great dude and he's someone i can see myself playing for and getting better and really you know, creating a bond with and enjoying my time and excelling there so i believe i saw your playing tackle right now for your high school um I, I don't know what the plans are for college. There's been some talk maybe about you being an interior offensive lineman at KU at the collegiate level. What do you kind of envision yourself playing, or, or is it really just, you know, just wherever you need me, that's where I'm going? Uh, for me, I think it's just wherever they need me, I'll go. Because I feel like I'm pretty versatile. Like, I may not have, like, the height and wingspan to play tackle, but um, I feel like I can do it all. How would you best describe your game? Uh, I don't know, scouting report on yourself. Like, what, what are your biggest strengths on the football field? I feel like I really pay attention to detail, and I really like to understand our um, plays and whatever, so that way I can go out there and, and play fast. I don't really have to think about it, and I know the assignment and where the ball's supposed to be going, so I can block accordingly to that and just kind of feel for the game beyond that. So I can really go out and – and play hard and play fast, which Coach Fuchs, um, his offensive line play actually helps me do because they keep it very simple. But I feel like I'm pretty athletic, and then I play with leverage. And, I mean, I'm not the strongest right now because I've been playing baseball, so I haven't really gotten too much lifting or whatever. But I think in college, you know, definitely going to beef up. So, but I don't know. I just like – I think mental is a big part of it and then just leverage. And I have pretty good grip strength That's what people have told me. Yeah, I think I think uh, I saw on the offer sheet. I think Columbia was on there. I mean, if you have if you have an Ivy League on there, that that probably speaks pretty well to your smarts. Which I think, yeah, that's probably very helpful on the football field and, and diagnosing. I don't know stunts or blitzes or whatnot. Uh, so you mentioned playing baseball right now. 
is there is there anything that maybe baseball has helped you with? We, we've heard a lot, you know, just I guess from the national perspective about how not specializing in one sport, about how uh, being a multi-sport athlete can actually help you long term. Do you feel like there's anything that baseball is, has actually helped you with for the football field? It's definitely helped with my athleticism and like flexibility and it helps with footwork and bending. Cause I mean, baseball is a whole bunch of, you know, running around, you, you sit, you sit fast wherever you get the ball. I mean, you're not going to get the ball every play, but, um, having to move and cut, try and go find the ball. And I play first. So just stretching off the bag kind of helps me stay limber. And then, um, swinging the bat also helps with grip strength. So. Do you have a, a favorite memory or maybe a favorite play or, I don't know, just favorite moment from your football career so far? Uh, this past year, actually. So the Jinx Trojans have beat us the first two years I was at North. So my freshman and sophomore year, they beat off, they beat us in the first round of the playoffs. So they, they knocked us out immediately and they would like, they would thrash us. It wasn't even funny. And this past year, they got moved into our regular schedule, our regular season schedule, and we went up to their place on homecoming and beat them. So that was pretty great. They won like 13 out of 20 state titles or something. They're, they're insane. That's 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 a fun moment. That's for sure. Uh, if you could draw up your dream play, you know, I, I know it's always a little different with offensive linemen. I don't know. Maybe you can convince Andy Kotelnicki to, to catch a pass or something, use some of that <laughs> athleticism on the outside. But what would that dream play look like at, at KU to, to maybe win a game? Gosh, it's definitely it's definitely a screen where I'm just running over like seven kids and the running back's <laughs> running right behind me. You see me, I'm I'm out running the running back, I'm running like a four three down the field, <laughs> just laying people out. And then right before the end zone, he tosses it back to me and I score. Love it. Love it. Uh do you have a favorite thing to do off the football field? Off the football field? I mean, I like to hang out with um some of the football guys too, kind of help create a little bond. But outside of that, I like to just relax and do homework, I guess. Uh, do you do you have any favorite hobbies? Favorite hobbies? Um, I I guess I I guess I play video games a little bit now. Okay. So, and uh, is there a, a go to video game? Gosh, I've been I've been playing FIFA a lot recently. I don't know why. I mean, it's soccer. I don't really understand soccer that well, but <laughs> it's kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Well, that's going to help you at the at college for whatever reason. That's like a popular game in the dorm rooms. And uh, I, I think we were talking to Kenna yesterday, and, and that's what he was saying too. So I'm sure you guys can have some uh, good competitions there and and trying to iron that stuff out. Uh, do you have a favorite food or a favorite meal? Favorite food? I've always been a hamburger guy. So I, I love destroying hamburgers like Freddy's or on, our, on my official, we went to Jefferson's. So, I mean, that was amazing. But um, I just love hamburgers. All right. Well, you got plenty of great spots here in Lawrence for burgers. Just, um, uh, every town has to have good spots for burgers. That's That's got to be a prerequisite just in the city in general. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you already thought ahead? I, I know you still have another full year of, of high school and everything, but have you already thought ahead about, like, what's the, the one thing you're going to miss the most from either your hometown or just being around your family or, I don't know, home cooking, anything like that? I think it'll probably be my family, but I don't think it'll be too big of a deal. Because, I mean, sure, Lawrence isn't Norman, Oklahoma, but it's only five hours away. Yeah. So I could I could drive down and make it down here for lunch and then drive back up in the same day or they can come see me. I mean, you're not I'm, you're not totally isolated in Lawrence. It's still around a decent amount of stuff, too. So I think I don't think being in Lawrence is going to really affect anything. 
Yeah, I, I always uh, th- talking to some past recruits. Uh, an answer that has been popular, I've heard, is laundry. That they're not excited for that part of it. But <laughs> <laughs> that kind of depends person to person. Um, do you have a favorite? Either uh, uh, I'll give you three options. You can answer one of the three. If you want to answer all three, you can. Uh, album, movie, or TV show. The only one I can do is TV show because I'm a movie guy, so I don't like. Just picking out one specific one. I'll just watch whatever. And then music, I just listen to whatever 80s and 90s is playing. But TV show would probably be The Office. And when I, when I was younger, I, I'd watch like Disney Channel and stuff. So it'd be Gravity Falls, which who knows if people even watch that anymore. But okay. The Office has always been, you know, pretty comical. Uh, you did say you're a movie guy. So I, I won't ask you, like you said, favorite movie. It's It's tough. There's a lot of good movies. But do you have a favorite genre of movie? Gosh, I'd say comedy. Like, yeah, I'd probably say comedy. I mean, everything everything seems to go go well with comedy. That or some action. I don't know. Okay. So I like Will Ferrell and um, all of them. They're all amazing. It's kind of hard to pick. Ryan Reynolds is always good too. So awesome. And uh, I, I know you mentioned Baker Mayfield earlier. Would that be the answer to? Favorite all-time college or NFL football player? Yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, down in Texas, you know, he comes up to the Norman, Oklahoma as a walk-on and plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he has to go out and prove everything. And so, I don't know, it's always just kind of been inspiring, I guess you could say. I mean, he's just a kid who wants to go out and play and prove himself to everyone. And, I mean, that's what he did, too. He, he went and won the Heisman, first overall pick. So, I don't know, it's just a great story. Awesome. And a great player. Well, Harrison, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and hopping on here, man. Um, it's, it's nice getting to know you and everything, and I'm sure the KU football fans certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you in Lawrence in, uh, I don't know, uh, less than a year, I guess. Yes, sir, I appreciate it. Rock chop. That was Harrison Utley, a commit for the class of 2024 on the offensive line for KU. And, uh, you know, we heard as part of the scouting report, uh, very smart kid. And, and I always, to me, like that's one of the biggest things you can be as an offensive lineman, just understanding the game that's going to put you in the right situations. And uh, really cool catching up with, with Harrison and kind of hearing how he, he likes to, to value that and uh, how that's important. Obviously, that's something that Scott Fuchs recruits to and once in his offensive lineman, I think Harrison Utley can be a great fit for uh, KU and Lawrence here. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to completely switch gears from that. We've got another game to play, Tour de France player or... We'll get to the other side of that on our game upcoming next on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Of course, if you miss anything on our shows, like our Harrison Utley interview from earlier today, you can find it on the Best of RCST podcast wherever you find any of your podcasts. We're going to have some more high school recruits interviewing on the show in in the coming days and weeks. We're also going to have Phil Steele on uh, the show of the Phil Steele magazine on Monday. So be on the lookout for that upcoming. Um, Before we get to our KU Football Friday question of the week, uh, some news around college football. One, San Diego State is going to remain in the Mountain West because basically the Pac-12 is taking too long. Yeah, I I don't understand any of that, but the long story short, Pac-12 sucks, and San Diego State stay in the Mountain West. Yes, and then the Big 12 like officially seemingly signed the contract to put the new TV deal into place through 2031. Um, so I think I think it was basically all agreed upon. They just probably had to put together the 
the ins and outs, the little details. Part of yeah. those details, or like finally, you know, Brett Yormark yeah, signing pen to paper, right? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but part of those details, Ross Dellinger from I believe what Sports Illustrated. Yeah, that's right. Um, tweeted this out. Here's another conference TV rights nugget today. As part of the finalization of finalization of its TV deal, the Big Twelve expects to play weekday football games, including Friday nights. Yeah, that's just stupid. I don't really get that at all. Uh, I think it's dumb. And, uh, I mean, I guess high school football doesn't mean anything, especially for, like, the Texas schools. Like, it's even worse for those schools. Yeah. So, I don't really get that at all. Uh, I understand wanting to be in, like, prime time or, like, you well, know, like, being one Thursday of the I get the Thursday night thing. I get yeah, the, like, you know, yeah, weird I, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. What if they have, like, what if instead of Maction, it's now Big 12-tion and they have, like, Tuesday and Wednesday games? I hate that. You hate, hate that? that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I would hate it because Maction needs to stay Maction. Okay. And the Big 12 is above that. They're a Power 5 conference. You play on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, what are we, I mean, what are we doing? Play on a Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I've made it known. I, I don't love the whole Friday thing either, so, you know, it is what it is, um, but yeah, clearly, it's inevitable. Clearly, they don't point. ask us about the No, game. clearly, clearly. Okay, our KU Football Friday question of the day. If KU has, say, the 12th best defense in the Big 12, there are now 14 teams, but a top four offense and a top five special teams unit, how many games do they win? I think probably in the seven to eight range would be my guess. I don't know. Eight might be too high. Maybe I feel pretty confident in in seven uh, because – Special teams was an impact for KU in some games last year. That's for sure. And if you have, a, if they have a top offense, the one part of this question that I think is difficult to hypothetically, like, I guess, project, is how aggressive will KU's offense be? If KU has one of, and I'm what I mean by that is like in fourth down situations or things like that, because if KU has a top three or four offense in the Big Twelve, will Lance Leipold be more light, but the defense maybe either takes a step back or doesn't show significant or doesn't show any real improvement. Will Lance Leipold be more willing to get aggressive? Like basically, I wonder if Lance Leipold has gone back and reviewed some of the film from last season and realized, eh, I mean, maybe I should just trust Andy Kolnicki in this offense to to get fourth and three, to mm-hmm. get you know whatever in situations like that. And if he does trust that a bit more and allows. KU to be more aggressive in fourth down situations, I think that could be the difference between KU maybe winning and losing some games. Because, listen, we've talked about it on the show when we've done the Jayhawk Rewind. Looking back at some of those games, like KU caught some breaks in terms of they weren't aggressive or they didn't execute on offense late in the game, and they caught some breaks and were still able to win. West Virginia, Duke, Iowa State. Like, that there's there's a there's a clear trend from last season of situations in which KU you could definitely argue was not aggressive enough with their offense where they still got wins but those could have easily been losses so uh, that's what I'm most curious about and what I think maybe hinges the most on this question because listen if you have the 12th best defense if you have the 12th ranked defense that's bad obviously but if your offense is top four you can maybe overcome that by relying more on that a little bit more late in games. And if you're top five in special teams, that's obviously a significant, significant improvement mm-hmm. from last season. And if you, it becomes more reliable. But just to kind of poke holes in everything I just said, if if this KU special teams is really good, that could also make Lance Leipold be more willing to just kick field goals. Sure. So I, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting because the special teams part of it, um, 
it can get divvied out in a lot of ways. Like, why is the special team stuff? You know, with, with like with the the offense, it's like, why are they a top four offense? Well, they run the ball well and or they pass the ball well. And it's like with the defense, why would they be bad? Well, they can't stop the run or the or whatever, right? With the special teams, it's like, why would they be top five? Could it be because they're a great field goal kicking team? Could it be because they're a great punting team? Could it be because they're a great get kick return or punt return or punt coverage or kick coverage? Could it be a combination of two or three of those? You don't know which of those go into it of why they're top five, right? Right. Um, yep. And if you're better on special teams in terms of like field position, yeah, maybe that benefits your defense. A little. Yeah, for sure. I think that's 100 percent part of it. Right. If, if you're better at pinning them inside their own 10 yard line, you've your punters so good at directional punting and coffin corner punting. Maybe it goes back the other way with the aggressiveness. Yeah. Right. And, and that could be good or bad, but also it could help with your field position. Right. So there, there's a lot of like strings that are kind of tugging on each other. Yeah, I think I think seven wins. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you look at it last year, KU had the 10th best defense in the Big 12 of 10 teams, right? So last. Ninth or 10th, yeah. I, I think in points per game, they were last. So we'll say 10th there. Okay. Uh, offensively, it they depends were, the metric you're looking at. In points, points per game, game they, they were second. Were, yeah, second. Yeah. Yards per play, they were first. Yards per game, they were lower, but that's because they ran a lower tempo. And I don't really care about yards per game because some teams run 80 plays and some run 60. Obviously, the team that runs 80 is going to average more yards, right? So yards per play and points per game, they were top two. Um, which means that you're pretty close to what this would be right here. But the exception is that last year you probably had a bottom, I don't know, three special teams unit in the Big 12. I think you were probably last. Yeah, I would have to go back and, and look at the, the special teams efficiency number. Um, hmm. It might be boosted because of the fact that they started they got well, a, actually. I was say, they got a blocked kick for a touchdown in the first game of the I remember season. through the first four or five games they we were a, looking and they were like top 25 in the country. Yeah. And they just tanked. Yeah. Did they have another game where they blocked a kick? Didn't they block a kick in another game? I don't know. The, the one is, is that, that you're talking about is definitely the one I remember where uh, Tennessee Tech, where they blocked the kick yeah, and Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Bryant takes it back touchdown. for yeah, yeah a touchdown. Yeah. Um, okay, so in the Big 12 last year, this is on the ESPN College Football Power Index in special teams ranking. Uh, Kansas was eighth. But okay. they were 117th in the country. Baylor was 118th. So right there, Iowa State was really bad, 124th, which that one kind of adds up, right? That makes sense. The yeah. gap between Kansas at 8th all the way to 7th was uh, 45 spots. Oklahoma was 72nd. So if you can become top 5, for instance, Oklahoma State was 13th, Texas was 16th, West Virginia 17th, K-State 35th, TCU was 48th. That makes you a so top, top 50 special. That's a yeah. big jump from where they were yes. last year, right? Yes. I think that's worth at least a game. So oh, yeah, I'll, I'll say seven wins for sure. I think seven with a chance at eight there, depending on the aggressiveness. Right? Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, now, again, if we divvy out what would be most important for the special teams improvement, like which of those things that I talked about, would it be them being a good I kicking? Mean, it's got to be just good be, kicking, right? You think the field goal kicking is the most important? I I would say so. I would say so. Because okay, listen, not to not I'm just gonna say this: if you have a bad defense. At the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't matter if the team starts at their own 10 or their own 25. They're yeah. probably scoring anyways if your defense is bad. Yeah, so it can't be the field position part. <laughs> no, I agree with you for what it's worth. So I don't so field position like if you're getting down inside the 20 on every punt, that's one thing, but that's not realistic. So I don't think it would really I don't think field position's that important. To me, it's got to be field goal kicking. That's number 1. Yeah, because the the punting is what goes into the uh, the field position part of it. Um, you could argue though your return game, 
Like, what if your return yeah. game was just elite? What if you you had three return touchdowns over the course of the season and you were just constantly getting, when you did return it, getting to like the 35, 40-yard line, setting up your offense with a short field? Yeah. But, I mean, you've left a lot of points off the board over the last couple of years with your field goal game. If we just looked at last year, you go 7 I of 13 Portilla, on field say, goals. Portillo was like, what, 6 of 11 by himself? He was 7 of 13 himself. Okay, he took all of them? Yeah, okay. well, no, he no. I was I was only looking at him. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. uh, I, I, I don't I remember think, Owen, Owen P. Didn't Owen Salt and Pepper take one? <laughs> I think he did, but I think he made it. I don't think he missed one. Okay. I think he was like one for one or something. Okay, okay. Um, I'll look that up in a second. But uh, yeah, Jacob Borcello was 7 of 13. And specifically, he was 3 for 3 on 20 to 29-yard kicks, which means 30 and longer, he was just 4 of 10. So it was less than a coin flip. By the yeah, way, yeah, ONP was one for one. He hit a 36-yarder. Um, so with do you, Borchilla, think, do you think at some point we should just ask somebody how, how to, to pronounce, pronounce it? His last name? Probably, but I kind of like this too. Um, anyway, uh, with Jacob Borchilla, if you go from four of 10 on field goals 30 and longer to all of a sudden going seven of 10, yeah, that's nine extra points, which doesn't sound like a lot. But that could be the difference of winning one extra game. Oh, for sure. You know, for if sure. the if the field goal happens in the right game. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I think back to the Texas Tech game well, where you look at the final a, score. Didn't they miss a field goal against uh, TCU? Didn't he miss a field goal against TCU? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So that could have impacted that, obviously. Yeah. I think back to the Texas Tech game where I obviously that game didn't end up being one where like one field goal would have been the difference. But it clearly would have changed how the game was played. I remember KU missing like a field goal in the first half. And I mean, yeah, I mean, the field goals, it's not just the field goal itself. It's, it's the, the momentum. momentum you can get off yeah. of it. Both yeah. ways. Both yeah. ways, like from either a make or a miss. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I would say if, if that happens, if they're one of bottom three defenses, but a top four offense, top five special teams, I think seven wins, maybe eight. But if you become number one or number two offense, if you become number feel, two or number okay, three special teams. I feel pretty confident higher. that if you gave me this those rankings, KU's making another bowl game. Yes, I, th- that's a great way to put it. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Sports Stock Market next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and it is that time on a Friday we get to our sports stock market. We're going to tell you what's up, what's down, what to buy, what to sell. What to what else is there you can do? Uh, hold, I guess. Oh, true. Hold. That's a good Third point. option, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's start with stocks down on proper holdouts. Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins is frustrated by his contract situation. Okay. Dobbins is scheduled to make $1.391 million this season, which is 24th among all running backs. Here's my issue with this, though. So he's holding out? He he wants to hold out? Apparently he might. We'll we'll see if it actually ends up happening. Dude, you're Um, like the third string running back. Or is he the starter? He became the starter at the end of the year, but like... Here's the thing. Most often, especially with with the running backs, you see this at a... Like, I remember Chris Johnson did it after he had his, like, 2,000-yard season. That's because he ran for 2,000 yards. Like, I think Todd Gurley did it after he had, like, a really good season where he had, like, 1,600 yards. That's exactly my point. Normally, running backs do it because, like, I had this great season. Pay me like I'm worth. Sure. J.K. Dobbins, in 2020 as a rookie, had 805 yards. Good player. Pretty good. Solid running back, right? Yeah, that was probably probably in the top... Five of running backs, I bet, for rookies. Yeah, for rookies, yeah. Uh, Then he got injured and missed all of 2021. Then in 2022, he had 520 rushing yards. Played in eight games. He hasn't been the... Well, you know how I remember that is because in 2021, 
uh, I don't remember. I think he tore his ACL like right before the start of the season. Something like that. And I remember because I had drafted him in my fantasy football league in like the second round. And then, you know. Tough for you. I'm sorry. Must have been much worse on you than J.K. Dobbs. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> It was so terrible. But okay, that's that's my point. Like he's been good. He's averaging for his career five point nine yards per carry. But again, you well, can't stay on like, the field. This is like me announcing I want to hold out from here because <laughs> I'm making good work worth. Well, okay, he's played in twenty three games over three seasons. He has thirteen hundred rushing yards over three seasons. You can't hold out. You can't. I mean, nobody says you can't. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but right. it's one of those situations where it's like they're like. You're like, oh, I'm going to hold out. And they're like, good. Yeah. Don't show up. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> That's fine. fine. Gus Edwards, come on down. <laughs> uh, yeah, this would be like, what would this be the equivalent of in like in the NBA or the MLB? Like this would be the equivalent mm-hmm. in the NBA of like a, uh, of Tobias Harris. Or like Austin Reeves. Which, uh, yeah, Austin, Austin Reeves. just had a good playoff. Out, and he's like, you know what? I need a, good I deserve a Supermax contract. Yeah. Look what I just did in the playoffs. I'm holding out. I'm like, well, I don't know about like, that. There's a, Austin Reeves. You can get a dime a dozen Austin Reeves any, anywhere you want. Yeah. And then the MLB, it's just like a guy who's like, I don't know, hitting like 265. He'll get you like 15 home runs over the season. He'll get injured at one point, but like he'll be pretty good when he's out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, stock's down on uh, proper holdouts. Stock is up on Aaron Rodgers not knowing what pro football reference is. Okay. I mean, obviously, you know what pro football reference is. and I am aware, yeah. If you're listening to the show, you probably do because you're probably into sports. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's Pro Football Reference, there's sport, there's just sports reference, yep. there's all kinds of different references. Sports reference, basketball reference, reference I, all the references. First of all, why the term reference? Uh, I don't know. Good what does question. That even mean? Just referring to NFL. I'm things? googling the definition of reference. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, Pro Football Reference, all the references basically, you just see like stat databases, award databases on all these players and teams and all this stat stuff. Well. Aaron Rodgers is, this according to Front Office Sports, allowing fans to invest in his startup online sports database, which is... What a terrible name. According to him, his quote, the IMDB of the sports market. Hey, Aaron. That already exists. Yes. That's already sports reference. He's seeking one... This is the other thing. He's seeking $1.5 million in crowdfunding. Dude, you have made like... How much money do you think Aaron Rodgers has made? Hmm. I mean, three hundred million, four hundred million. I I wonder, man. It's I think it's probably more than that, right? Five hundred million. Let's see. Um. Okay, you're right. He has made three hundred and five million to this point. But oh, nice. nailed it. But he will have made by the time he he's under contract. He has four more years of contract with the Jets which at this just, point, which is just ridiculous. By if, the way. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'll last the full be four 40, years. He might retire. Forty-four. Yeah, he'll probably retire before then. But. If he let's say he makes it two more years, if he makes it two more years, his career earnings will be up to four hundred and twelve million. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's also so why do people need to? That's also significantly more than one point five million. Yes, just start the site yourself. You don't need crowdsourcing <laughs> on this. What are we doing here? But yeah, also like again, uh, yeah, this is just sports reference. We, yeah, I'm. I'm doing here. I am puzzled by this. Okay, uh, stock is up on the new best athlete in the world. You know, one of the things about being the best athlete isn't just can you be the best at your sport, it's can you be good at other sports, right? Uh, Shohei Otani, that's why he is such a marvel because he's good at two things on the baseball field, right? It'd be like Patrick Mahomes playing defensive back and being good at it, right? Don't um, do that, Pat, Patrick Mahomes. Don't well, the Chiefs might have a new best athlete. 
Oh. Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil, really good athlete, good linebacker, probably a good starting linebacker, probably solid special play a lot of for coverage. the team. Yep. Well, he is a multi-sport athlete. What is the other sport, you ask? I, he won, I, I am asking. He won a chess tournament. Really? Yes, and he's wow. now noted as the top chess player in the NFL. Okay, who keeps track of that? Well, so how chess works is based on, like, wins, and, and they have, like, ranking systems. Well, I know, but, they have like, like a rating. in the NFL... Well, they just they have rating systems, so anybody who is an NFL player who has a rating, oh, I see, I see, I see. they can just cross. So this guy's the best database. Yes, so we have the best chess player in the world. We do, or in the NFL, dude. I, I this could also be stocks up on uh, Steve Spagnolo because who uh, a guy who loves smart defenders, yep. who loves, loves to put him in different yep. spaces yep. and have him do different things. Well, He's gonna have this. so much fun with this. What do you think the odds are Drew Tranquil gets a green sticker? Oh. I feel like it'll stick with Bolton, right? I think I mean, you get two, though. You do? Then, then yeah, he would probably be the other guy. you're not giving it to Willie Gay. No, I, I like, feel like Willie Gay never is fully like, trusted Willie Gay. Exactly. And plus, Willie Gay is the type of player where he's like, he's just a missile. Yeah. You just, <laughs> you just arm him hit. and go yeah. and press, go tackle. Cover and, then, and hit him. <laughs> run at the running back. Hit him. <laughs> Goes and tackle. I love your sound effects. Um... <laughs> Do you think they're okay? Because we, we've seen the Chiefs be creative with all these different play calls. There's yep. going to be a defensive play call that has something to do with chess, right? It's going to be like maybe Queen to Rook five on three or something. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Or uh, checkmate on you know something. <laughs> It'll be something. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty clever. Huh? Or Queen's Gambit on three or something. I don't even know what that means. I know it's a TV show. Yeah, I know it relates to chess. Good TV show. Yeah, it's a, it's a move in chess. I don't know it's what like move a it strategy. is. Strategy. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you either. Oh, uh, okay. So you just know what it is, but you don't know I've what it is. I've heard the phrase. I was just thinking about it. Wow, chess. okay. So you were just trying to seem smart, but Dude, really if not I knew how to do the Queen's Gambit, I would probably be like a professional chess player. <laughs> I'm probably making more money than I make here. Okay. Uh, stocks up on misspelling. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have added a beat Georgia period to their practice. The problem, they did not lose to Georgia last year. They lost to TCU. Do you think they meant to spell TCU instead of Georgia? <laughs> You know, I could reasonably get on board with that if it was, like, beat Georgia after they lost to, like, I don't know, Georgia Tech. <laughs> or, like, you know, beat Ohio State or beat OSU when they lost Oklahoma State and they met Ohio State or, like, something like that. Ridiculous. But what there's Georgia and TCU. There's not even any of the same letters. Yeah. There's literally not a single same letter together. I, I do get what they're going for. Georgia's won back-to-back titles. The idea there is if you beat Georgia, you're probably winning the title. They did lose to Georgia probably. two years ago. Yeah. But still, no, it is kind of funny because it's like, well. Well, do you think or do you think this is just extreme disrespect to TCU? Oh, they're like, ah, we if we play them again, we'll beat them. Yes. Not exactly. concerned. Not yeah, even worried it is, about. It is disrespect. Um, TCU fans. Well, they used to do this drill for Ohio State. Are now they just going to lose to Ohio State because they're not doing it for Ohio State anymore? That's funny because remember, wasn't that Jim Harbaugh's crutch is that he could, or like the issue was that he never yeah. could beat Ohio State? So now they finally beat Ohio State one time, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, pff, we're way better than Ohio State. Yeah, you beat them one time in twenty well, years. Twice, but yeah. Oh, I guess they've been back twice. to back. Yeah. Okay, fine, sure, fine, whatever. You beat them twice. Good job. Pat yourself on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, stocks up on things that you're not going to try. Pepsi is releasing their own condiment called Pepsi Cola Chup, a soda-infused sauce. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life, okay? You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. Do you remember when KFC had, like, the Cheetos uh, sandwich? Yeah, yeah, around the the breading. Yeah, this is what reminds me of that. I don't understand how difficult it is for companies to just stay in their lane. When you do something good... 
that doesn't mean you need to go do other things. Just do the thing that you're good at. Keep making whatever it is you're good at. Well, you don't need to go out and make random crap that sucks. I mean, what? I don't understand what we're doing here. Like, like, you, you, you're good at one thing, making pop. Why do you need to go do other things? I'll be honest. Because I know they make a lot of money because they're the biggest, one of the biggest brands out there. I want to try. So it's it. not a money thing. I do want to try. It's it. not like a. Well, we need to, we need to find a way to bring more income in. Let's, let's make a whatever the hell this is, and then cool. No, this is just, this is just pure. Stupidity. I think it might what are, actually what be What are good. we doing? So it's like ketchup infused with Pepsi, so to speak. Uh, sometimes there's like also, rib if recipes. if you want to taste this, just take a bottle of Heinz ketchup, squirt it in your mouth, and then drink Pepsi right after. Oh, That'll no. give you the same thing. No, sometimes people make ribs with like a uh, soda, uh, I don't know, base isn't the right word, but they'll use soda like to like help break it down and stuff. Sauce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, like, this no, could this be something like that. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I want to try it. It's I'm only available at four ballparks, though, and, and Kaufman isn't one of them. I'm not trying it. It's stupid. I hate it. Okay. That's fair. I do think to your point about the companies thing where they just, like, try ridiculous things. Yeah, I have a if friend, you're good at one thing, just yeah. do that. No, I have, a, I have a friend who's convinced that big-time companies, like, this would classify for this, um, just get bored. And so they make so much money, and so it's less about them being like, we need to do something to make more money. It's more about just like, what can we get these idiots to buy next? It's okay. like a prank. It's if a that's joke your problem, then just pay your employees more money and that you're making more money. No, no. They, they, this is funny to them. It's like, let's see if we can get these it's idiots It's not funny to, to me. It's stupid. Yeah. We're going to mix cola and ketchup. You're going to love it, you little you little idiot. And Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I am not a sheep, and I'm not going to do that. I do want to try, though. I really do. Uh, stocks up on awkwardness because Marcus Adams is going to be wearing number 21. Zach Clemens comes back and he's uh, the meme Will Smith coming back to oh. the empty house. Oh, I hadn't even considered yeah. that. Yeah. In fact, that makes sense because at the scrimmage we went to two weeks ago, Marcus Adams was wearing 21. Mm-hmm. By the way, Nick Timberlake's wearing 25. But yeah, the, the more awkward part I is. I like Timberlake wearing 25. What is Zach Clemens going to wear? 25 is a good shooter's number, I think. Right? I think so. Yeah. Although, funny enough, Danny Manning wore twenty five. But yeah, like Brandon Rush wore twenty five. He's he's a great all time shooter. Okay, it's a good number in general. It is good KU number for sure. So um, what number is that Clemens going to wear? I don't know. I'm hoping that because if, uh, the NCAA rule passed about being able to wear numbers zero through ninety nine. You want him to wear zero uh, or like ninety seven? Yeah, I want him to wear something crazy. I want ninety nine, seventy three. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine how much money? Because uh, Grady Dick already made a ton of money off NIL, and I'm sure a lot of people bought Grady Dick jerseys. You, you see them all around now. I know, I know where you're going with this. If Grady Dick would have worn number 69, yep. he would have sold. I mean, the, the number no, of jerseys, not just here it's nationally. It's low hanging fruit. I it think. is, but it would have sold so many, dude. Every frat every frat boy would have had one. <laughs> you, you know that's true. I hate that I know it's true. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I really don't like the fact that I know it is true. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, is that Clemens? He should wear just some. Yeah, some of the seventy-seven. You know, yep. I think that's yep. what Luka Doncic wears, doesn't it? So I guess yeah. maybe that one's not as random. Like eighty-two. Yeah, what's the? Yeah, eighty-two. Yeah, I feel like you never. 50, you do 58. see occasionally guys in the NBA wear like in the nineties because it's like yeah. cool ninety-nine. But yeah, you never see in the eighties. Never see in the sixties either. No, never. Sixty-three. Yeah. 
most obscure number you can think about. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that happens. All right, <laughs> that is our sports stock market for the week. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back after this. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.